98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. The headlines. Lawmakers look set to pass the National Anthem Bill race today. With this year's Victoria Park Tiananmen Vigil banned because of social distancing, its organiser again calls for an alternative show of support. And China says it'll allow more foreign carriers to fly into the mainland after Washington bars Chinese passenger carriers from flying to the US. Lawmakers are set to pass the controversial National Anthem Bill later today, which will criminalise misusing or insulting the March of the Volunteers. Pro-democracy councillors put forward 21 amendments, such as reducing the penalty or the time allowed to bring charges, but all were voted down by the pro-Beijing camp. The bill is the third and final reading process. Speaking through an interpreter, Democratic Party lawmaker Wu Chi-Wai said he couldn't accept a proposal that could put people behind bars for up to three years. If you want people to respect the national anthem, I'm afraid you have chosen the wrong approach. It is counterproductive. You are only making people better understand what the national anthem has been distorted to represent. And originally, it was supposed to ask us not to become the slaves. But on the contrary, the CPG is oppressing us. We are forced to become the slaves of this reg- regime. Pro-Beijing councillor Chang Kimpoor from the insurance sector said if the pan-democrats' proposals were passed, it would turn the National Anthem Bill into a blank piece of paper. He said what he described as radical teenagers could be encouraged to challenge the law if there were no appropriate penalty. The Secretary for Constitutional and Mainland Affairs, Eric Zung, said the penalty was in line with the national flag and emblem ordinance. He also said shortening the time allowed for prosecutions would undermine law enforcement. Veteran Democrat Emily Lau says she expects authorities will use the national security law to bar opponents from running in elections. MPC Standing Committee member Tam Yu Chung told a pro-Beijing magazine that anyone who opposed the law should be disqualified. FTU lawmaker Alice Mack agreed, saying opponents of the new law would be in breach of the basic law. Former Democratic Party leader and lawmaker Emily Lau says such a move isn't unexpected. I mentioned this to some people last week already. I said, well, they may raise, use this as a question, and if you answer it incorrectly, uh, you will be disqualified. So we know their, their tricks, their tactics. We have anticipated it. And I think it is utterly disgraceful. So that means Hong Kong people who want to stand for election have no right to say no to certain things. Legco elections are coming in September, less than a year after the pro-democracy camp crushed their rivals in district polls. Tam Yu-Chung, Hong Kong's sole delegate to the MPC Standing Committee, says it was only his personal view that people should be disqualified from the alleged correlations if they oppose the upcoming national security legislation. He told an RTHK programme that he wasn't speaking on behalf of the SCR or central governments, although a lot of other lawmakers and people in society agreed with him. He once again called on people to express their views on the new law as soon as possible, although he acknowledged there was nowhere on the MPC website at the moment for people to submit their comments. The organiser of the annual June the 4th Candlelight Vigil has called on people to light a candle at 8 o'clock this evening, wherever they are, to commemorate the 1989 Tiananmen Square Massacre. Li Chuk-yan, the head of the Alliance in Support of Patriotic Democratic Movements of China, 
made the call after police banned its annual vigil in Victoria Park because of current social distancing regulations to limit the spread of the coronavirus. If they try to explain that it's so dangerous to have a gathering, then why are you not locking down the whole city? It's, it's crazy, it's absurd. They are, of course, they use this excuse to ban the gathering, and that's the only uh, very obvious explanation that before even the national security law come in Hong Kong, they are already starting to censor Hong Kong's free speech, and that is very disappointing. And we call upon the people of Hong Kong, wherever you are, light a candle at 8 p.m. and can participate in our, our online ready. About 300 residents have returned from Mumbai in India on a government-chartered flight. They include a pregnant woman, children and people with illnesses. Returnees are being tested for COVID-19 before being transferred to quarantine camps for 14 days. Together with the previous government chartered flight for residents stranded in Delhi, about 550 Hong Kong people have been repatriated. China says it will allow more foreign carriers to fly into the mainland. It comes after Washington barred Chinese passenger carriers from flying to the United States because Beijing had refused to allow US carriers to resume flights to China as had been stopped due to the coronavirus. The Civil Aviation Administration of China said qualifying foreign carriers currently barred from operating flights to the mainland will be allowed once-a-week flights into a city of their choosing starting on Monday. North Korea has threatened to end an inter-Korean military agreement reached in 2018 to reduce tensions if the South fails to prevent activists from flying anti-Pyongyang leaflets over the border. The powerful sister of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un also said the North could permanently shut a liaison office with the South and an inter-Korean factory park in the border town of Kaesong. In her statement, Kim Yo-jong called those defectors human scum and mongrel dogs who betrayed their homeland. Seoul has said it plans to new laws to ban activists from flying anti-Pyongyang leaflets over the border. The former U.S. Defense Secretary James Mattis has denounced President Trump, calling him a threat to the Constitution and accusing him of trying to turn Americans against one another. The retired general said he watched recent events angry and appalled. Responding on Twitter, President Trump described him as the world's worst and overrated general. Here's the BBC's David Willis. James Mattis basically accused President Trump of seeking to divide the American people and he praised those who are demanding justice following the killing of George Floyd. He said Donald Trump is the first president in my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people, does not even pretend to try. Instead, he tries to divide us. Now, when he stepped down, he vowed actually to stay out of politics, said James Mattis. Well, now he clearly believes that the time has come to add his voice to what is a very concerning situation here in the United States. Three more police officers involved in the killing of George Floyd have been charged with aiding and abetting murder. Derek Chauvin, the officer who was kneeling on Mr Floyd's neck when he died, has had his charges elevated to second-degree murder. Keith Ellison is the Minnesota Attorney General. Today, I filed an amended complaint that charges former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin with murder in the second degree for the death of George Floyd. I believe the evidence available to us now supports the stronger charge of second-degree murder. We've consulted with each other, and we agree. The family of Mr. Floyd called the move a significant step on the road to justice, but their lawyer said Mr. Chauvin should face a first-degree murder charge. Meanwhile, the autopsy of Mr. Floyd showed that he had tested positive for COVID-19. 
The former American President Barack Obama says it's vital to channel the momentum built up in the recent street protests across the US in order to bring about change. He said the demonstrations were as profound as anything he'd seen in his lifetime and called on Americans to seize a chance to deal with the underlying problems in society. As tragic as these past few weeks have been, as difficult and scary and uncertain as they've been, they've also been an incredible opportunity for people to be awakened to some of these underlying trends. And they offer an opportunity for us to all work together to tackle them, to take them off, to change The German Chancellor Angela Merkel has announced new measures to reactivate the economy after the coronavirus pandemic. They include a temporary cut in value-added tax, federal support for local governments and a €300 grant to families for each child. Mrs Merkel says the economic situation requires bold action. We're facing the most serious crisis in economic development in Germany's history. This can be seen today alone in more than 7 million people who've been put on reduced working hours. They're an indication of this, and it's clear that the whole thing needs a courageous response with the aim of securing jobs, keeping the economy running, or getting it running again. For the second day running, Brazil has registered a record number of deaths with coronavirus. 1,349 Brazilians died with COVID-19, taking the total of more than 32,500. Here's the BBC's Katie Watson. Brazil's death toll is soaring, yet in the middle of this pandemic, the country still doesn't have a permanent health minister. Eduardo Pazuelo was confirmed as interim minister on Wednesday, after nearly three weeks in the job. A sign for many that the federal government isn't taking the issue seriously enough. Indeed, earlier this week, Jair Bolsonaro reacted to the rise in fatalities, saying death was the destiny of everyone, once again blaming the media for causing panic among Brazilian people. An experimental vaccine against the coronavirus developed at the University of Oxford is to be tested from mid-June in Brazil. It'll be tested on 2,000 volunteers who will be recruited this week. The university's president said Brazil was chosen because it's in the accelerated curve of the pandemic. Officials at the University of Sao Paulo, which is one of the coordinators of the study, said the volunteers must be health workers between 18 and 55 years of age. Police in Spain are investigating a former porn star for the suspected manslaughter of a fashion photographer who died after inhaling hallucinogenic toad venom in a ritual. Nacho Vidal was briefly detained along with two other people on Friday. Here's the BBC's Danny Eberhard. In July last year, José Luis Abad died at Nacho Vidal's house. He suffered a heart attack, having inhaled smoke from the dried secretion of an endangered North American toad. Mr Vidal, a well-known porn star, has previously advocated the use of the powerful hallucinogen. It's reputed to have therapeutic effects, including for combating addictions, although one medical study says knowledge of its effects in humans is limited. Mr Vidal's lawyer says he's innocent, describing the death as an unfortunate accident. short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 24,313. That's five points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $72 billion. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. And the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 71 cents. Sport now and here's Adam Churn.
We start with an update on Major League Baseball as the league and its players appear far from reaching an agreement that would allow the season to start amid the COVID-19 pandemic. In the latest development, the league rejected the players' proposal for a 114-game regular season with no more pay cuts than what they had already agreed in March. Instead, the league is turning its attention to a season of 50 games or less. That's significantly fewer than the 82 games proposed by owners last week. A 50-game schedule would result in players receiving about 30% of their full salaries under the March agreement. Now, the two-time World Cup winner Dan Carter is making a surprise return to Super Rugby with the Auckland Blues. Carter moved back to New Zealand earlier this year after the coronavirus ended the rugby season in Japan, where he was playing for the Kobe Steelers. The 38-year-old has agreed a short-term deal to play for the Blues in Super Rugby Aotearoa, a domestic version of the competition due to start next week Saturday. Carter played all of his Super Rugby for the Christchurch-based Crusaders before leaving New Zealand five years ago to play in France and Japan. He retired from Test Rugby after the 2015 World Cup and remains the all-time top scorer of the All Blacks. Next to football, another one of Europe's biggest leagues is back underway. Portugal's Primeira Liga resumed last night, three months after matches were suspended due to COVID-19. The BBC's John Bennett says the competition features an exciting title race. The Giants, Porto and Benfica renewing their, their rivalry yet again, one point separating them at the top of the table. Porto are the leaders and Braga are in third place. They're 15 points behind second place Benfica, so a long way back. And it's been a long, long time since either of those two teams, Porto and Benfica, didn't win the title. It was way back in 2002. Uh, it's interesting to look at the differences to, to the Bundesliga. There was a recommendation in Portugal by the country's health authorities to play in as few venues as possible. But despite that, all but two of the 18 teams will be playing at their home stadiums. Each round of matches spread over four to six days so that as many games as possible can be on TV. Tottenham have confirmed one positive coronavirus result in the latest round of tests carried out by the English Premier League. That person will now self-isolate for seven days. Just over 5,000 tests have been conducted through five rounds so far with a total of 13 positives. The Premier League is aiming to resume on June the 17th. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top story once again. Lawmakers look set to pass the National Anthem Bill later today. And that's the news from RTHK.
stupid jokes. I wouldn't give the satisfaction of a reaction. Then he invited me to his room to get paid. And I told him those ways could go. Welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, this Thursday afternoon. Thursday the 4th of June is today's date, and we've got a busy program for you. Now, just after half past one, we're going down under to talk to Matt Zubo. Matt Zubo is one of the authors of uh, this year's Young Readers Festival. That's right, and he is pretty remarkable. Now, we'll be hearing how he's written 365 children's stories in 365 days. That's right. Um, he will be joining us in about 10 minutes or so. And uh, after the 2 o'clock news, Sadia Osmani uh, will join us for our regular Thursday chinwag. And this week, we're talking about races, racism and how to uh, raise this topic, how to talk uh, about this uh, to our children. And finally, after 2.30, Sadie K is back with us uh, to present another lively episode of Mental Ideas. And this week, showman Matt Ricardo, along with actor Dan Davis, talks about uh, their experiences with online trolls and how to deal with them and some music coming your